I said to uh, said to Carl just uh, just before I left this morning, you know, this doesn't get any easier, and I don't, I don't know I don't know about everybody else that speaks, yeah, but the uh, the longer you get, the old the old adage of a lot of things is the more you do it, yeah, the more relaxed you get, the more yeah, the more you can, you know what I mean? <laughs> doesn't when you come to speak. Um, hopefully the, the message that God's, given, <laughs> that God's given you to speak. And uh, a lot of things you, uh, you do by default, or you, you go into autopilot, don't you? And uh, it's a bit like falling, yeah, falling off a log. I know I, I, can go into, uh, I can go into any company in the country and talk about Epicor and how Epicor works yeah, without even having to yeah, have to think about it, because that's it. But... God's, yeah, God's word is something, yeah, is something different. God's word is unique. And the more, <coughs> the, older, <laughs> the older you get and the more you, yeah, the more you interact with God's word, the more unique it seems to become. Does that make, yeah, does that make sense? And the thing, <coughs> the thing I'm finding more than anything uh, as, I get, <laughs> as I get older <laughs> is the fact that <coughs> the Old Testament yeah, completely joins up with the New Testament. You know, I've, no, I've, I've known that up here for, yeah, for a long, long time. It's one of the, you know, it's one of the things you're taught in Sunday school, that the two, yeah, the two go hand in hand. But the reality is, that, for me anyway, the older I'm getting, the more I'm realising just how joined up the Bible is. <clears throat> and that's no, uh, that's no coincidence as Mark could call it, it's a God incidence because God has designed it that way. It's just us uh, as sort of feeble human beings, if you like, don't necessarily understand everything that's there. And we never will understand everything that's there while we're, you know, while we're still down here on earth. But ultimately, yeah, when we get to the glory, then yeah, we'll understand it as it was supposed to be. And I'm just prefacing this uh, because what I want to talk about this morning is from Psalm 16, right? And Psalm 16 is what I would, yeah, the only way I can put it is a glorious psalm, right? And because it's so glorious, I thought it would be good if we could all, together, we could actually all read it together. And um, there's only a few verses. I remember years ago when we were, ki uh, when we were kids, we went up to Scotland and we went into this very dark and dingy old Scottish church, right? And the one thing they did there was every time, apparently, every time they read God's word, everybody stood up. So the idea being that regardless of what I say this morning, <laughs> yeah, you will have seen and heard God's word together. And that was the, that was the core of, of what they were saying, basically, that God's word was the highest thing that we can, yeah, that we can look at. So, um, Psalm 16, uh, is the first, yeah, it'll come up on screen as if by magic in a minute. So, uh, if you're able, um, can you stand and we'll read this psalm together. If you can't, that's fine. Please feel free to carry on sitting down. Um, but I thought it'd be good if we could read this and see, uh, yeah, or hopefully start to see, what David, who is the king, yeah, who ultimately became king of Israel, this is one of the one of the psalms that David uh, that David wrote. So um, <clears throat> I'll uh, we'll kick off. 
Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have heard the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. May God bless to us the reading of his word, as they say. Um, If you'd got, yeah, it seems really strange that nowadays, I have to say, um, because we've, we've all got, I say we've all got, a lot of us since have got, you know, got our Bibles on our phones, haven't we? And we don't, we don't bring our, our Bibles to church anymore. But if you did, and Ron's got his, if he has a look at Psalm 16, the title of this psalm is actually uh, a Michkum of David. And the Michkum is, is commonly understood as something that's golden. Okay? So this is a golden psalm. Okay, and the four other Psalms uh, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 16, Psalm 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, five other Psalms, yeah, that make up uh, those, uh, those golden Psalms together. And the idea here is <clears throat> that yeah, there's obviously something that's, that's important, if you like, for us to, to see and to understand about this Psalm that is, yeah, that's really worthwhile, if you like. Not that the rest of the Psalms are not worthwhile, but you know, yeah, you know what I mean. There's some, well, the idea is something special here for us to grab hold of and to understand um, as, as God's people uh, today. And the whole of this Psalm, if you like, is relating how David, who was a psalmist, found the secret of contentment and great gladness, yeah, even though he was under immense pressure at the time. Right, I'll say that again. That's out how <clears throat> the secret of contentment and great gladness, even though he was in pressing times uh, at this particular moment when the psalm uh, was written. And secondly, in this psalm, we also see how he powerfully predicts Jesus, yeah, and his work for us as well, right? And we'll come, to, uh, we'll come to that. So David was in pressing times. What do I mean by pressing times? Well, 
Who can remember, uh, this goes back, this is a classic example of Pam's teaching in Sunday school, right? Because, <laughs> because this was one of Pam's, yeah, Pam very often used to go from A to B to C to D, yeah, all the way through, and we went through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, and then we had a bit of a, yeah, bit of a mix and match sort of session, right? And those of you who went through Pam's class will understand uh, where we come from on that. <clears throat> but, but, David and David's story was one, was one, well, as far as I understood anyway, yeah, was one of Pam's favorite stories because there's lots of, yeah, there's lots of action. We get giants, don't we? We get David the boy with his sling and whoosh and all that type of stuff. And remember, uh, for those of us who can remember people like Dylan and, and the like, yeah, when he was sort of yay high, I can remember Dylan getting quite excited about the story of David and what was going, yeah, and what was going on. But as we know, David didn't have, yeah, didn't get everything he's going his own way, did he? And he ran into a whole pile of trouble to the extent where he ended up that King Saul was actually effectively chased him out of his, yeah, chased him out of the land, yeah, and was trying to kill him. And uh, we find out, don't we, that uh, Saul was chasing David. David had about four hundred loyal men, and they holed up in the, yeah, um, in the caves. And Saul was chasing David with about 3,000 yeah, 3, of his men. So that's a bit of unequal odds and all that type of stuff. Uh, but we find, don't we, that ultimately David prevailed. Right? David prevailed. And a lot of what we find in this psalm um, that, we, uh, that we'll look at uh, this morning is David starting from that point where he effectively understood that he needed to be preserved, right? So, God, I think it's the uh, whatever, yeah. So, Psalm kicks off with the, these words, preserve me, yeah, right? And I can, I can remember coming to that point in yeah, a few stages in my life where I've, been, yeah, where I've said to God, yeah I, yeah, I desperately need your help here. Yeah, I need preserving in some way. Does that make, yeah, does that make sense? Right? And David kicks off this psalm in this, uh, in this particular way. <clears throat> Preserve me. It's a plea. Yeah? I, need, yeah, I need your help in this. It's a plea, or what in, the old, yeah, in old language used to be called a petition. Yeah? A petition. <clears throat> and at this point, obviously, we don't know what David wanted, he wanted to be preserved from, do we? Because yeah, there's only... Preserve me, O oh God, is the first part of the uh, is the first part of this particular psalm. But the rest of the yeah, the rest of the psalm moves on from this initial yeah, this initial plea to God yeah, preserve me. And the next few words come up as preserve me, O oh God, yeah, because I take refuge in you. And I looked at that and I thought that hey, that doesn't doesn't make sense does it yeah preserve me oh god because i take refuge in you and if you yeah when i first went went through this psalm there was a lot of these things that think i'm thinking like hey where how does that yeah how does that join up preserve me oh god for i take refuge in you if you like he's giving i take refuge in you because i want to be preserved does that make yeah does that make sense he's sort of giving us almost giving us the flip side of uh of what David is asking God for. Preserve me because I take refuge in you. I declare that you 
are a refuge for me, therefore preserve me. In other words, David already understood that God was his refuge. He'd already, yeah, he'd already grasped that in his life. And because he understood that God was his refuge, he was able to say, preserve me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes sense. <clears throat> in other words, David is declaring what God is for him as the reason that he hopes that God will preserve him. <clears throat> and as we move through, uh, as we move through uh, the next few verses of the psalm, yeah. David takes on this position of making a declaration of what God has done for him. Yeah. So, so we, go, we drop into, uh, into verse 2 here, and David says, O oh my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Yeah? In other words, David recognised that God was the God of his fathers, the God of who? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And David recognised that this was the God who had done great things for, if you like, Israel as a, uh, as a, nation, of, uh, as a nation of people. In other words, he's declaring that God was his master. Yeah? Remember uh, when, uh, when David first took on Goliath, he was, on, yeah, he, was only a small, yeah, he was only a small boy, really, a youth. Uh, but he'd obviously, going through his life, he got to the point where he understood that God had been with him when he'd fought Goliath and that type of thing. And he understood that God was his master. God was the, if you like, the supremo. Um, as far as David was concerned. <clears throat> and David was yeah, exalting the fact that God was his master. He was exalting that God was his master. And God was sovereign in David's life. Back to uh, God as sovereign a, a little bit later. <clears throat> Interesting, he says in the second part of verse 2, he says, You are my Lord, and my goodness is nothing apart from you. In other words, David recognized that any goodness that he did have actually came from God in the first place. Because God is goodness, God is kindness, God is greatness. And, God, and David recognized the fact that this goodness, any goodness that he had was there because of God. His own goodness was nothing apart from God. It, it was nothing because David's goodness was a gift itself from God. He recognised that there's nothing, yeah? There's no good in him, if you like, apart from what God has given to him. Verse 3, he also recognises, yeah? he says, As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Now, here's a challenge for you this morning. Yeah? Do you think you're a saint this morning? Bom, bom.
do you think we're a saint this morning? Yeah, we have saints for everything, don't we? Yeah? If it's sort of a bit of a ch- it's a bit of a church uh, uh, sort of church history type of thing, isn't it? Yeah, I like Italy. We go to Italy a lot, and they've got saints for just about every every conceivable sort of thing you could ever ask for in uh, in Italy. And uh, but yeah, would you class yourself as a saint of God today? Not sure. Yeah. <clears throat> The Bible tells us that yeah, if we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are saints of God. Yeah, but we don't. Yeah, if you're anything like me, sometimes I don't feel that <laughs> I don't feel very saintly, especially if I'm driving a car up the motorway. But yeah, um, which has happened quite a lot over the last yeah, twelve months. Or so. But here, um, David recognizes that there are God's saints on yeah, God's saints on the earth. And he says, David says, the ones who give him pleasure are godly people, right? Now, we've come to church this morning. A lot of us have known each other for yeah, a long, long, yeah, a long, long time, yeah, right? Um, like I've known Mark now for forty odd, yeah, forty odd years. <laughs> okay. Um. Our family first became involved with Ron and Pam like in 1960. Long time ago. Long time ago. And because of that, and yeah, we know yeah we know each other, don't we? We yeah, I probably know I can know quite a lot about Mark. I don't know everything about Mark. I know a lot more about Tim and my sister, of course. But here, David is recognizing that, yeah. God's people, if you like, are the people that we should be with. And it was good to see, yeah, in the photographs earlier, yeah, it was good to sit down and have a, yeah, have a nice pancake together. Yeah, I noticed somebody's teeth had fell out on the one photograph. I don't know who's over. But, you know, it's, it's good indeed that we, that we recognise that we are, yeah, we are part of God's family together. And because of that, we can sit there, we can sit down together and have pancakes or whatever, yeah, whatever it happens to be at any particular time. Sometimes, so David says, I delight in that. I really delight in the fact that I can sit down with God's people and yeah, have a good time. Right? Um, Phil alluded to the, yeah, going back to Big Church Day out when he first became a Christian. And that's, a, that's, another, that's an opportunity, isn't it, where people can get together as part of God's overall family and enjoy God's presence together. David recognised that these people were here and he praised God for it. He exalted God for the fact of the goodness of the people. He said, they're the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. What delights you about meeting with God's people? Or is it easier or more fun if we meet with other people? Than, yeah? when, I've, when I've sort of looked at that, I thought, well, that's, that's a challenge. Sometimes we can go with people who are not God's people. We can still have a good time, can't we? But we should be having an even better time when we go with God's people or we interact with God's people. Do we take great delight in the people of God. If we move into verse, uh, into verse 4, uh, it's like David sort of goes off on a slight tangent, if you like, and he says, that their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Right? So he's giving a flip side of saying, 
hey, it's great if we can sit down with God's people. And by the way, if you go the other way, it's not so good. Does that make, yeah, does that make sense? Is their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. So in other words, don't go chasing after, yeah, chasing after things that are not of God. Things that are not of God's people. It's sheer folly to turn away from the all-satisfying God only to embrace gods that leave you sorrowful in the end. David's basically saying here, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to chase after other gods. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to get involved with yeah, offerings and I'm not even going to put the name of other gods on my lip. Then drops into, into verse 5 and says, O oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. What he's saying here is, and I try to, yeah, I try to sort of get this straight in, uh, straight in my own head. <clears throat> we've just been down to, we've been down to London this week, and uh, one of the first things we did uh, on the way over to where our steel lives in Woolwich, uh, we we dropped off at. Uh, at Buckingham Palace, right? and uh, quite fortuitously, uh, we just turned up right at the point they were changing the guard. So it was, yeah, it was. <laughs> I didn't even thought about that. We just uh, we were just going to have a quick look at at uh, at the quick sorry at the king's uh, the king's palace now, and because uh, Lexi had got that on her list of things she'd like to do in London, <clears throat> okay. And <clears throat> it set me thinking about well. What would it be like if we got invited to a state banquet? Uh, all the pancakes were very nice here. The, yeah, it were very nice here the other night. Yeah, and we all yeah, and all that type of thing. But what would it be like to turn up to the Queen? Sorry, Nick. Okay, I still ain't got my head around that. Yeah, the change from the Queen to the King. But there you go. Um, <clears throat> what would it be like to turn up to a King's banquet? Right. Because um, if you've seen any of the documentaries, yeah, sort of around that type of thing, you you know you have the plate in the in the middle there, and you get about seven or eight knives and forks either side, and you've got to do this in the right order and and all that type of thing. But I imagine, and I can only imagine, that it's something that's fantastic, and the food will be, yeah, excellent. <clears throat> And <coughs> he says, uh, David's saying here, God, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. And if you can think of some of the greatest, yeah, some of the greatest pleasures sometimes come from eating, don't they? Some of the greatest pleasures sometimes come from eating, whether it's, whether it's just bog standard, you know, can of, can of beans and cheesy beans and toast or something like that, which just happened to eat the spot on a particular day, or yeah, something very, very, you know, very, very fancy that would yeah that you would more likely get at a queen's uh, <laughs> again, a king's banquet, a king's banquet, then <clears throat> that is uh, that is it. And the idea here is David saying if. Yeah, if I got this king's banquet laid out in front of me, yeah, 
the portions that are on that, yeah, on that banqueting table, if I could choose anything, what would I choose? And he's saying here, really, I would choose God himself. Does that make sense? Of all the things that could be laid out in front of me on this banqueting table, yeah, from food and drink perspective, David's basically saying, I would still choose God over and above anything that's sitting on this table. God is my portion. Yeah? God, <clears throat> God is my inheritance and he's my cup. Never sort of thought about that in that way before. How excellent God is over and above anything else we could sort of like rationalize and think about at that particular time. <clears throat> Then in verse 5 he says, not only do, are you the portion of my inheritance and my cup, but you maintain my lot. You maintain my lot. <clears throat> now normally we think about lots in, from the point of view of gambling sometimes, don't we? And, uh, and the like. <clears throat> uh, in other words, saying here, yeah, if when the dice is rolled or the straws are drawn if, and the like, or the wheel is turned, whatever happens to us, comes from the hand of God. In other words, God is sovereign. God, know, yeah, God knows all about us. God knows what's happening in my life today. God knows what happens in Dennis's life. God knows what happens in Tim's life today. He knows it intimately. Yeah? It's not like, not like made up on the fly. <laughs> I don't know if you're, like, if you're like me, I do a lot of things on the fly. Yeah, you, make it, yeah, you make it up as you go along, don't you? But God's not like that. God is sovereign and God understands and plans our lives and what we, yeah, what's going to happen in our lives yeah, to the minutest of detail. We don't understand it. Yeah? It don't happen in the right time as far as I'm concerned sometimes. But ultimately, we know that God is sovereign and God is plan has planned out our lives and planned out different things that might, might not only just affect me, but might affect other people as well. Because that's in God's plan and purpose. You realise this morning that if you put your faith and trust in God, you are part of God's plan and purpose yeah, for this church or for the school you attend or for the college you go to. Yeah? You're part and parcel of God's purpose and plan in this world. That's fantastic. Yeah? We don't understand that. Yeah? Well, I don't. Yeah? I don't understand that enough. That sometimes God working through us, working out his plan and purpose in our lives. <clears throat> yeah. God holds my lot. God decides yeah, what's going on. God rules over it. And God is sovereign in all that he does. And David's saying, I'm affirming that fact here. I understand it. I've grasped it. Yeah. And it's good for me. That's what David's saying. He's exulting about God here. He's saying, God holds my lot. He's got it. Therefore, I don't have to worry. And we still do, don't we? <laughs> we worry about all sorts of things. We get anxious about all sorts of things. But God is our lot and he's there and he's sovereign and he's working in our lives. He's working out his plans and his purposes in our lives. Verse 6, please. Uh, next slide. <clears throat> Then he says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. 
And I thought, what in the world is this about? Right? Now then, 30 years ago, right? 30 years ago, give or take a little bit, my old man, sorry, my dad, my dad retired, right? And I can tell you this morning, um, I think it is, um, watch it, will you? won't go up on my phone now, will you? <coughs> Probably take ages or whatever. Um, but I've, anyway, as of last night, um, uh, when, uh, when I, was, I was looking at this, um, <coughs> it, it told me, oh, here we go, <coughs> right? Right at this present moment in time, I have eight days, 12 hours, four minutes, and 53 seconds until I retire. Yes! <laughs> right? Right? <clears throat> and, yeah, and as you can see, the, yeah, the clock's ticking. <laughs> the clock's ticking down. <clears throat> right? When my dad retired, we all got invited to the, um, the register office in West Brom. That's right. Billy said Smedic then for some reason. I don't know we got invited to the register office in Smethwick, and Dad had a big yeah, oh, so, yeah. Dad had a big dude, didn't he? Really, <clears throat> and all these all these folks turned up from the yeah, all all different parts of Sandwell Council and and the like, and <clears throat> uh, we had a nice yeah, nice buffet lunch and all that sort of jazz, and Dad gave a bit of a <laughs> Dad as he always did, he <clears throat> he gave a little bit of a speech. Right, and thankfully it wasn't a 50-minute speech like, like a lot of them were. But <clears throat> one of the things he said that day, and it totally baffled me at the time, was he said, the lines have fallen. He actually quoted this verse from Psalm 16. He said, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a, goodly in, uh, I have a good inheritance. <clears throat> and <clears throat> this is something else that David's saying, Yes, yeah, God, I understand yeah, that the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And I'm thinking, what? What? What, a, yeah, what would you say are lines falling in pleasant places? Any ideas, anybody? Come on, let's make this interactive. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. <clears throat> the lines have fallen me in pleasant places. Think about what happened when the children of Israel went into the promised land. What happened? Apart from a, yeah, a good deal of fighting and goodness knows what else. Yeah? <clears throat> but the promised land was for them an, in, an inheritance. And the land was divvied out, wasn't it? Yeah? The land was divvied out and every, each tribe, the yeah, 12 tribes of Israel, each of the tribes and each of the people in, that, yeah, in those tribes, they were allotted their own, yeah, if you like, their own personal space. Right? When we first came down here at Bethel, uh, Bethel and the old, yeah, the old church was here, I've got the, yeah, I've got the original, not the plans, the um, deeds, thanks Mark. Yeah, and on the deeds, there are marked out in red, yeah, in red lines, the borders of this, yeah, of this plot of land here. Right? And what David's saying here is, yeah, I recognise that... Yeah, the bit, if you like, the bit of acreage in Palestine that you've given to me, he's great. Yeah, that's mine. But he's also saying, not only that, but God is my inheritance. Not just this, yeah, not just this parcel of land that's marked out by lines that 
happen to fall in pleasant places, but God is in his, is in, is his inheritance. Yeah, and he's glad about it. And we should be glad about it, that God is our inheritance this morning. It's something that we can look forward to. Yeah? At the point we pass from this life, if we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an inheritance that Peter tells us is incorruptible and undefiled and is waiting for us in the heavenly place. And, <clears throat> yeah? and David is here recognising that he has a beautiful inheritance and that lions have fallen for him in pleasant places. <clears throat> in pleasant places. One, in 1 Peter 3 to 5, uh, Peter reminds, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the, the, from the dead. To what? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away and is reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. <clears throat> Basically what my dad was saying is he recognised that things were good for him. Yeah? He'd gone through his work, if you like, he'd gone through his work in life and he was able to say that things had been good really. And I, yeah, I want to say to you this morning, I've gone through my work in life and I'm telling you the same as well. Things have been good. Not necessarily always, yeah, not necessarily always, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what I was, you know, what I would have liked. But I can see that God has, yeah, that God has led me through a particular path to get from like a young, naive, 17-year-old starting work, if you like, through to, yeah, through to where I am today. And I think that's something, that's, yeah, again, the older you get, the more you actually understand and recognise that God has worked out his plans and purposes in your life. And we should say, great, that's something we can really praise God for today. Well, not just today, yeah, but uh, all of the time. Next slide, please, uh, Sam. Goes on and says in verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night, uh, in the night season. <clears throat> and David carries on, this, if you like, this exaltation of God by saying, <clears throat> God's not only his refuge and his treasure and his sovereign, if you like, but he's also his counsellor. Now, another, one of the great things about interacting with God's people is that we can take advice from God's people, can't we? And I've done that no, number, number of times during my, yeah, through my life because God speaks wisdom sometimes through other people, doesn't he? <clears throat> God speaks wisdom through other people and it's good that we, yeah, that's one of the great reasons of having yeah, interactive family uh, who know and love the Lord. But God also sometimes comes alongside, doesn't he? And actually, you like counsels us directly. Yeah, am I talking rubbish here? Do, do, do people understand where I'm going? <laughs> right? God sometimes comes alongside us and actually, if you like, whisp yeah, whispers in our ear and says, "Well, yeah, don't be a muppy, Edward. Yeah, that can't be. 
your thinking screwed up there for whatever reason. This is what we need to do. And <clears throat> sometimes does, yeah, God does that at night. Yeah, I don't know if you, yeah, if you recognize that. I do. One of the things I find very often at night is I can't get to sleep because the brain, yeah, your brain's whirring away with all sorts of, yeah, all sorts of things that you might be worried or anxious about. But sometimes God just comes alongside us, doesn't he, and says, this is what I want you to do. Why is that counsel for us? God is a great counselor. And sometimes we don't, yeah, and sometimes we don't, uh, we don't recognize it. <clears throat> God should not just be precious to us because of how great he is, but also because of the greatness of the counsel that he gives us uh, from time to time. We treasure him for his teaching and wisdom and encouraging promises, don't we? And he reveals himself through his words, through his teaching, and also through his counsel. <clears throat> God is sovereign not just in what happens to us, but what happens through us when we listen to his counsel. That makes sense. I, uh, repeat that word. God is sovereign not just in what happens to us, but what happens through us when we listen to his counsel. <clears throat> Next slide, please. Um, <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. <clears throat> so what did the Psalms first what did the Psalms start with? With the first words? Quang, 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 quang. The first words? Preserve me, O God, yeah, is what he was saying. Preserve me, O God. And then David spends the next seven verses saying, This is who God is for me. This is what God has done. Yeah, this is what God has done. For me, <clears throat> yeah, and <clears throat> effectively, yeah, his initial plea is transformed from from that plea into this confidence that he has here now. Yeah, he's got this confidence that says, because I've set God always before me, because I've always tried to follow after God, because of that, He is at my right hand, and guess what? One people, guess what? Yeah, I won't be moved, right? So he's he's moved from this yeah he's moved from this initial petition of saying preserve me yeah, and then he's saying this is what God's done for me, and because of that, I know I'm not going to be moved. And <clears throat> that's a, <laughs> that's absolute that's absolutely staggering that. Because he's recognized that God is always, yeah, because he's put God first, if you like, because he's put God first, and because he can see all that God is for him, he can say, God's standing by me here, yeah, God's standing right by me here, I ain't going to be moved, there's nothing going to shake me away here, 
Remember the story where the, uh, when Moses had to go up onto the top of the mountain and they, um, they were, yeah, the children of Israel were fighting. I can't remember who it was now. It's just come back into my head. But what did, what did they have to do? Yeah, he had to, hold his, he had to hold up his hands, didn't he? And Moses couldn't do it, so he got one of the other guys to continue holding his hand. And that's what David's saying here. Because God's standing here as my right-hand man, if you like, I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be shaken. I've got confidence in God. <clears throat> confidence in the right way, if you like. Yeah? That God... <clears throat> Uh, that God will do what He yeah uh, will do what He says, and God will work in uh, in my life in that way. <clears throat> Interesting, yeah. We've now got on our wall to the left. He says, <clears throat> "As for yeah, as for us and our church, we will serve the Lord. As for us and our church, we will serve the Lord." Joshua said in, uh, in the book of Joshua 24 and 15, it says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what David's saying here. Put the Lord first in your life. Put the Lord first. Exalt him for what he's done for you. And... You'll be able to stand unshaken. What? <clears throat> that. Lastly, so I've started with saying, Preserve me, O Lord, didn't it? Yeah, that was where they kicked off. So, what did, yeah, what did David need preserving from? What did David need preserving from? <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. At that immediate point in time, he, yeah, he didn't want to lose his life to Saul, did he? Yeah, he didn't want to lose his life. <clears throat> well, here in the psalm, yeah, he, David tells us ultimately what he wanted to be preserved from. <clears throat> Says, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. <clears throat> yeah. So David's saying, I'm unshaken here, I'm standing here, I've got the power of God with my right, yeah, at my right hand, if you like. <clears throat> And this is ultimately the preservation that David was asking for. That he didn't, yeah, if you like, he wanted to be preserved through death. And he wanted to be preserved through to seeing God in the glory. Yeah. By that I mean, yeah, David obviously died, didn't he? David obviously died. But he had the confidence to say, yeah, the confidence to realize ultimately, and this is before, yeah, way before Jesus came, yeah, David recognised and wanted God to preserve him so that ultimately he'd be able to go through, yeah, go through death and if you like, come out on the other side in the glory. And this is what David was asking God to 
preserve him from. <clears throat> we'll preserve him through. David knew even, yeah, even at this point in the Old Testament that death would not be the end of his relationship with God. And today, death is not the end for us, is it, as Christians? Yeah? Our relationship with God will continue into the glory. Yeah? And we should all say amen and hallelujah to that, shouldn't we? Yeah? We should all say amen and hallelujah because we know that one day we'll see the Lord Jesus Christ standing in the heavenly place and we'll be able to go up to him and say, thank you. Yeah? Be able to go up to him and say, thank you. Because we've been preserved through life, through death, yeah, and into the glory. And as Pam said, we should say, yeah, amen. <clears throat> Interesting, if you look at a few of the other, yeah, through the other Psalms, in Psalm 49 and verse 15, it says, God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Other psalmists knew this fact as well. In Psalm 73 and verse 24, it says, You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. Yeah? These are people way before, living way before the Lord Jesus Christ even came to the earth who realized that there was a glory to come. Yeah? There was a glory to come. And Mark in his gospel says, God is not a God of the dead, the God of the living. And we should be thankful for that. <clears throat> Lastly, verse 11 says this, You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is something that David was looking forward to yeah, however many years before Jesus was born, it is something that we can look forward to as well. Yeah, we're not just yeah, we don't just have to be worried about yeah, we are worried. Yeah, it's not just about what happens here; it's what happens when we go to the glory. And David's saying here, in your presence there is fullness of joy. We don't yeah, we don't understand exactly what that is yet, do we? I, I don't understand what complete fullness of joy is. I think the, probably the closest I've got to that was when our Claire was born. And you think, wow. <laughs> but we don't understand what that fully means yet. But ultimately, it says, it'll be fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Wow. Something for us to... Yeah, something for us to look forward to um, in the life after death here. <clears throat> so, I'm going to leave you a bit, yeah, a true teacher style this year. I'm going to leave you a little bit of homework. Is that okay? Yeah. A little bit of homework. Take, yeah, take on. <clears throat> if you go into, yeah, uh, if you go and have a look at Acts chapter 2 which tells us the story of Pentecost. Yeah, Acts chapter 2 tells us the story of Pentecost. Okay. <clears throat> if 
David was writing the psalm under the Spirit's guidance, he came to understand that his own preservation, body, soul, through death, and the Messiah's triumph over death, yeah, had to be connected. But at that time, David didn't know the detail of what that would be. Understandably. But Peter takes that on and tells us how that connection is made in Acts chapter 2. So when you get home, or this afternoon, when, yes, leave the telly off for 10 minutes, yeah, and have a look at Acts chapter 2, and verses 30 through 32. And you can join the dots up. Yeah, there's a nice little bit of homework for you. Yeah, I'll test you all on it next week. Yeah, at the appropriate time. So, <clears throat> um, thank you for listening. There's, uh, there's a whole pile more in that psalm uh, that you can, yeah, you can go away and have a look at at your leisure. But, yeah, challenging uh, to say the